0: Now, after 54 years, the jumbo jet is coming to an end. Boeing just delivered its last 747 in its day it revolutionised air travel with increased capacity and range. But over the years, they've been replaced by more fuel efficient planes. Nick Eads has completed more flying hours in a jumbo than anyone else. He's also the author of Overtaken by a Butterfly. Nick, good afternoon to you. Hello, Nick, are you there? Yeah, hi. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought there was no yeah, one there. I thought I was going to be talking to myself again, as usual. <laughs> oh, no. uh, the, the, when you first, when you first, now I assume there's a certain amount of practice when you're flying a jumbo, but when, you know, we, you and other pilots first had to fly this, given that it was such a huge beast of a thing, would, did you all anticipate it would be really difficult to fly?
1: No, it was an absolute delight, Sean, to fly. It was the first time I actually flew it. um, rather than in the simulator, it was actually over in Shannon in Ireland. We had to do what was called base training. And I just remember walking out to this huge monster on the apron and looking up at it. and It's, it's the size of, uh, well, about four double-decker buses put on top of each other. And I thought, how, how am I going to fly that? But once I got in and strapped myself in, and uh, it was a sheer delight. It flies beautifully. Mm, Probably I, one of the nicest airplanes I've ever flown.
0: And wh- why so?
1: Uh, Because of the design. Um, It was designed literally on the back of a cigarette packet in the 1960s. And somehow they just got it right. And every model uh, that came along just seemed to get, the aircraft seemed to get better and better. And the last one that I flew was a 400 series. It was just a sheer delight. Mm. Every time I sat in that seat, I could just feel myself smiling.
0: Right. And and, and, and in... But specifically, though, in things like uh, takeoff and landing, where you know they were they demon- to you demonstrably better than perhaps other sorts of planes.
1: Uh, it's not better, but it was just it was just a great joy. The um, especially the newer 747s were very well powered, so um, you used to race along the runway and just gently pull back on the control column, and you were you were airborne, and it was just so light on the controls. It's such a large airplane weighing four hundred tons. It flew like a light aircraft. There was no difference. It was just so nicely balanced. It was nicely powered. It was just a sheer joy to fly.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because I has many many years since it was on a jumbo, but I I always you'd always notice how softly they, they could land without you even noticing that quite they landed. Many...
1: you obviously didn't. You didn't fly with me, Sean. Sure,
0: <laughs> but like, but in modern planes today, there's a kind of a wallop when you're when you land. Uh, um, which, I don't know if that's to do with the skills, of the relative skills of the pilot or not, or, or, or the planes themselves. I think we should put it down to
1: the skill of the pilot. Yes, indeed. Um, no, it, it was a nice aeroplane to land. Um, it had the undercarriage, a trailing undercarriage. The undercarriage actually was an angle as you touched down. So you could, if you got it right, you could literally land and nobody, even myself, I've landed. And I thought, oh, am I actually landed? But um, I can also do a few bumpy ones as well, mm-hmm. as any pilot will tell you.
0: And over the years, did the did the jumbo need less people to fly it in terms of the like the flight? It clip? did
1: when I when I started that we had what now been called the classic jumbos. They're the old clockwork airplanes with the clockwork dials, and we had actually over nine hundred buttons, switches, and dials to play with, oh. and that's far too many for a pilot. So very luckily, we had the flight engineer sitting behind us, and he had this vast panel with all of his dials on it. So it was a nice. It was nice. The the captain fly the airplane. The co-pilot would have help him. And then behind us, we had the flight engineer who looked after everything else. And the great thing about the flight engineer, of course, is wherever we got to? The flight engineer always knew where to buy the cheapest beer.
0: Right. Okay. That's a, a that's another skill
1: uh, that, that that's, they have. That's the most important one in my book.
0: Yeah. And uh, and but you would have started in the days when everyone was smoking on planes.
1: Yes. Yes. And. Uh, it's still it's still I don't know, but you still quite incredible and you think back yeah. to the people were actually allowed to fly to fly and smoke at the same time. Uh, one of my very first flights back in nineteen eighty seven, uh, I was the very brand new co pilot and the captain was sitting there and he continuously smoked his pipe. <laughs> Behind me the flight engineer was continually lighting up cigars. And despite my very sort of uh, please, my quiet please don't you know, one of them please don't smoke both at the same time, they carried on. So I, I leaned down and picked up my oxygen mask and put my oxygen mask on. And they both gave me some very strange looks. But they very kindly, after that, The only one of them smoked at the time. But uh, when smoking was banned, I was very pleased.
0: Yeah, indeed.
1: And also, the,
0: I suppose it's it's kind of definitely gone now. But the, but, but the era when uh, people flying on a plane was a luxurious experience, um, that still existed to some degree on the Jumbo.
1: It did, yes. Um, we had what they called silver service, which was uh, in first class. They would have the trolley pushed around and you would choose your food and it would be cut up in front of you and served to you. Um, so although the seats in those days weren't as comfortable, I thought the service for the first class passengers was probably more exclusive. But the, the comfort of the um, British Airways, especially the first class seats now, are just wonderful. Even the club seats, you know, the beds. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot better than it used to be. Some things get better.
0: Yeah, and did did you fly ones that had little bars in them?
1: No, I'm not quite that old. No, that was in the <laughs> early nineteen that was in the early nineteen seventies. That was more not a gimmick, but it was it was when they were first introduced, and that was uh, I think more Pan Am and probably TWA. Now British Airways always had um, we had Club Class in the old uh, in the old jumbos. We used to have uh, well, no, actually it was both. We used to have. Um, we used to have club class upstairs, so no no bars, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, uh, and so, the, the, in, but in terms of, like, because obviously the, the, the jumpers are all, you know, we're all would have been long-haul aircraft, so how much would you have been physically flying the plane, or how much of it would you be just, you know, stick on the autopilot and... Uh... Yeah,
1: really good question, really good question. Every pilot's different. Obviously, there's no such thing as an automatic take-off, so every takeoff off um, you have to perform manually. You can engage the autopilot once you're above 250 feet. And if the weather's really bad then, you know, or you have a problem, then that's probably a safe thing to do. But personally, I used to hand fly it up to about 10,000 feet. And um, once we're above 10,000, I used to put the autopilot in. Um, and then on approach, I, if it's a nice day, um, I used to take the autopilot out very early, just to enjoy because you know, the airplane really was a delight to fly. Mm. And somewhere like Cape Town, I used to take the autopilot out around 20,000 feet. And um, the air traffic control was very uh, obliging there. And they used to bring us right over Table Mountain. Uh, from there, hand flying a jumbo over Table Mountain, what could be better? Yeah. And we used to do a very gentle turn out towards Force Bay and then turn back towards the airport. And a couple of times, I actually saw great white sharks patrolling up and down the beach as we flew over. Wow. And then landing into, uh, into Cape Town. It was just wonderful. It was a, such a beautiful airplane to fly. That, Nick, um, uh, as much as I
0: could. Yeah, Nick, thanks a million. Uh, um, uh, great years uh, flying that jump, I would say. That was uh, Nick Eads there, uh, author of uh, Overtaken by a Butterfly. Moncrief. Brought to you by
1: Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays
0: at 2pm on News Talk.